Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. It shows God that you chose to make Him important today. If you're listening to me on SoundCloud or another internet application, wherever you are throughout the whole world, good morning or good day to you. May God richly bless you for seeking Him today. If this is your first time listening to me or attending this church, I'm Pastor Ed, and you're listening to me from McKinney, Texas, and this is Gospel Saving Church and our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. All right, we always start with a word of prayer and ask God to bless our service amongst our minds and our hearts and everything and whatever we ask Him for. So if you'd join me in a word of prayer, please, and we ask the Lord for His guidance in this message and, and, and whatever He leads me to pray about. Thank you so much, Lord God. We just thank you for another beautiful day. We thank you, Lord God, that Lord, if we're yours, and even if we're not yours, Lord God, for everybody in the whole world, you promise that you are our refuge, that we can run to you for our refuge, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that I have, and I thank you, Lord, for everybody on the face of the planet that has run to you for their refuge, Lord God. I pray that we would never step outside of that refuge, Lord God. For you are like a great and mighty umbrella in a terrible rainstorm, Lord God. But you're so great and mighty that if we run under you, Lord God, we won't get wet at all, Lord. And the world will not affect us at all, Lord God, if we're completely under you. Thank you, Lord God, for these promises. Thank you, Lord, for these things that you do for anybody that runs to you. Lord, I want to ask you to please bless this message. Please bless how I speak it and bless how people hear it, Lord God. I, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be would be powerful, Lord God, in this message, Lord God, for the, the the things that I say, the things that your word says, Lord God, I pray that they would impact us, that they would affect us, but affect us in a good way, Lord God, either A, bringing us closer to you if we're yours, or B, if we're not yours, Lord, helping us find our way to you. Please, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God, for your word, we thank you for your guidance, and we thank you for your love. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you can turn to a brand new book of the Bible, Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1 today. If you just how to get there, just FYI, if you're not that familiar with your Bible, if you go to just the New Testament, you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Those are the four Gospels. You'll go to the book of Acts, which is right after the Gospel of John. And we're going to be in chapter 1. We're just going to be in the first three verses of that book today. But I'm not going to read it, or I'm not going to study it until after I teach my thoughts from last week's message in Him Who Is True. That was the last section of the of the epistle of 1 John chapter 5 that we just got done with. I just got done teaching the whole first uh, epistle of John. Anyway, uh, my last week's message overview and him who is true. John covered four different ideas in the last part of his epistle. He made three we know statements and told us that Christians are supposed to keep away from idols. But the one statement that he made in verse 20 that was that was the one that was most special to me was this here. He said this, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. It's where the title came from, from the message. And that means that God came, God sent Jesus Christ, and through Him coming, through the Holy Spirit and through what He did, He gave the knowledge of who He was to all peoples. 
And he gave that, of course, the ability, of course, has been, God has given people the ability to come to know him for since, you know, people have been in existence, but people just don't come. But nevertheless, God still gives that, you know, knowledge or understanding of him that we may come to know him who is true. God is so good. Why do I say that? Because in regards to salvation and bringing people to himself, he has done and is doing everything to make that happen for humanity. Number one, God tells us in Romans 1 that he has revealed himself, even as Godhead and Trinity, to everyone since the beginning of creation, including currently. Number two, he says, Jesus Christ says in, in, uh, in the Word, he says that he's drawing all peoples to himself. And number three, John just told us here that he has... Jesus Christ has come and has given us, which is all people, an understanding that we, anyone, may know him who is true. And he has done all of this in hopes that all people would come and have a personal relationship with him and be saved from their sins and have eternal life with him forever, of course. Again, I say, God is so very good. The only thing that God doesn't done, hasn't done for humanity is force us to turn to him and surrender. And that's because in love, he gave people, he still gives people their free will to do whatever they want. And he doesn't force anybody to come to know him. He doesn't force anyone to come to be saved. He doesn't force you to love him back. You see, real love doesn't force. Real love says, hey, I really love you. They, real love shows you that it really, they really love you. But real love doesn't force people to love them back. God is good and he's amazing, isn't he? But when a person does rend or surrender their heart to Christ, look what Paul says happens in 2 Corinthians three sixteen. He says this, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's ideas in Christendom that God has to regenerate you first before you get saved. But yet here we read Paul say, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is a spiritual darkness that everybody in the world that's not saved is under. I used to be under it. Everybody, that maybe if you're a Christian now, you used to be under that spiritual veil of darkness. And when we turn to the Lord. Now, we don't do that on our own. God helps us by, like I just said, revealing himself to you all the time, everywhere and everyone. And if you respond to that truth, to his calling you, uh, then if you turn to him, if you turn toward him, almost like the prodigal son, you know, where Jesus gave, where he gave the parable of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son realized he was in the ditch and in the nothing, and he turned to come back to the father. Then what happened is as he was walking there, the father, which was a representation of God, ran to him. So you see, when one turns to the Lord or responds to his calling, he removes the dark veil so that what? You can see clearly so that you can have a relationship with him so that you can, you and him could come and you could be saved. And then Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord. What is that? That's repentance. Whoever says, oh, Jesus, I need you. We're going to talk about that at the end of the sermon, so keep that in mind. When, oh, Jesus, I need you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Paul says, shall be saved. So although God doesn't force people to come to him, 
He does everything to try to lead people his way and even allows salvation for them once they do turn to him or turn their hearts to him, as 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, for it is his will and desire that none perish or go to hell forever. Again, God is so very good. All right, let's switch gears. That's all I have to say about 1 John and what Jesus had to say to us. Again, we're in first, or um, <laughs> we're in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The title of our message today is The Seeker Theophilus. As I said, brand new book of study today, one that has made my youngest boy very happy. See, some time ago he asked me if I would teach the book of Acts, but I told him that we'd have to see and I'd have to wait to see when God would tell me that it was okay because God's the one that leads me and guides me and tells me which book to go to. And so praise God for my youngest son who's over there with a smile right now. He's so happy that we're in the book of Acts. So without further wait, let's get learning the book, shall we? Normally, I read over the section of study first. But as this is a new book, I felt led to give you a quick overview, well, more than a quick overview, to start the book. And then I'll read and teach the sermon. So just the overview first, just to give you a kind of a, hey, what's all Acts about? Hey, where did it come from? What's the deal? You know, I'm going to give you a foundation. going to take a few minutes, but it's a really good foundation I'm going to give you so you have a good idea about the book of Acts. A little bit about the title. The actual title given to this book in ancient times, as history tells us, is the Acts of the Apostles. But I always refer it to the book of Acts because that's just what everybody calls it nowadays. In fact, if you're in church, hey, go to Acts. They, they'll just skip everything and be like, hey, go to Acts or oh, go to the book Acts because this is how we know it. But the actual title given from ancient times is the Acts of the Apostles. The author, of course, God spiritually, as he is the author of the whole Bible, every single book of the Bible, but humanly speaking, the man named Luke wrote this book. His name, interesting fact, is not recorded one time in the Acts of the Apostles, but we know that this book's author is the same as the Gospel of Luke because of the first two sections of each book. Verse 1 here says this, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach, talking to, him, talking to a man named Theophilus there, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, inasmuch, Luke says again, as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, because he was with Jesus in the beginning of his ministry, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So we see there that the these two books, the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, and the Gospel of Luke were this by the same writer. Uh, they were all they were written to again the man called Theophilus. Uh, neither Acts or the Gospel of Luke bear his name in their texts. We just know that in fact uh, the New Testament only mentions the name Luke, the man Luke, three times: Second Timothy four eleven, Philemon one twenty four, and Colossians four fourteen, and all three by the hand of Paul none of which mention his name as a tremendous importance, like he did something special or some great work, okay? He was a physician or doctor. We know this, Colossians 4.14 says, Paul's writing kind of in the close, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. 
Although this book's title is the Acts of the Apostles, this is an interesting note, many disciples are mentioned in the book, but the book is primarily centered around two principal characters, and that would be Peter and Paul. And we'll see that as we study the book. Time period of this book, Jesus, uh, Jesus died sometime in the year 33 A.D., but he didn't resurrect for the last time found in the beginning of Acts and the end of the Gospel of Luke until 40 days after he was crucified. And this book ends 30 years from that time, which makes the book's official Christian recorded history from the last resurrection of Christ starting in the mid or late 33 A.D. until the end or beginning of 63 to 64 A.D., spanning 30 years, okay? Content, major points of the book Acts roughly covers. An overview of Luke's gospel. We're going to study that today. The final resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's giving to the apostles with power to do the work of the ministry. Peter's great sermon that brought 3,000 into the kingdom of God. The obedience of the apostles to spread the good news of Christ. Lots of miraculous healings. Saul's conversion to Paul, the major player, the, the, the second greatest player in the book of Acts in the whole church's history. Paul's travels and his preaching, and the persecution the disciples faced the entire time. Even from, of course, Luke, Jesus faced persecution, and the disciples faced persecution, and the book Acts is full of persecution, and of course, it's got some death in there and everything. And that was the basic overview and interesting facts of Acts of the Apostles, or the book of Acts, as we call it today. Enough of that. Let's. I'm going to read the, the, the actual you know, our few verses today, and I'm going to do a little different. I had two different overviews for us today, so normally I read just the few verses, and then I go back today, I'm going to just read the actual texts, teach you a little bit through it, give you a couple details. I got a major point to make in the very end, or I should say the majority of the sermon, okay? I'm going to make uh, the major focus of this, mess- of this message a very powerfully overlooked idea in this first three verses, in these books, and it's something that the Lord touched me with today, and it's something that the Lord really, I believe, wants me to talk on, so here we go. I'm going to read Acts 1, 1 through 3. Luke says this, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments, and that would be, During Jesus' ministry, he communicated uh, the ways in which the apostles whom he had chosen or the chosen twelve were supposed to serve him through his Holy Spirit, of course. Uh, And that would be all with the disciples before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know that the way God communicates to people is by the Holy Spirit. For God is spirit and we are not. We are flesh. And so Jesus Christ communicated with his disciples through or by the Holy Spirit, as he still communicates with us today. Verse 3, to whom he, Jesus Christ, also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. You see, after his resurrection, Jesus Christ came to his disciples in amazing and supernatural ways, through locked doors even, to reveal himself to them, being seen by them during 40 days... Over, after his resurrection, mind you, Jesus revealed himself to his disciples over a 40-day period and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 
telling them all about the kingdom of heaven, the Great Commission, that's when Jesus gave out the Great Commission, restoring Peter after he denied him. You may remember that Peter was, uh, you know, he denied him three times in, that, uh, in, in the court of the you know, high priest. And then Jesus had, when he came back during his 40 days of his, you know, after his resurrection, he restored Peter and many other things that he told his disciples, which were not recorded. Going back verse one, just for a little detail before I make those major points I was talking about that could be easily overlooked. Verse one, I already told you that Luke wrote this book to a man named Theophilus. But did you know biblically, this is the only two names that we see Theophilus's name. Nobody knows who he is. As far as I know, history records nothing about him. And the Bible says nothing about who he is at, at all. Verse 1 already, I already told you that this was Luke's second book to Theophilus, making, this the first, making the first book the Gospel of Luke. But there in verse 1, Luke tells us why he wrote the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus. It was to tell him, as found in verse 1, of all the things that Jesus began both to do and teach until he was taken up, so his resurrection. What does that mean? The Gospel of Luke was to describe and teach Theophilus why Jesus came, what he came for, what his teachings were, why he was alive, the miracles that he did to both do and teach until he was taken up. Everything that he knew that Jesus did around him. Okay? The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the very first, was the very last thing that Luke wrote about in the gospel, as he mentions here in verse 2, Luke 23, 50 and 51, the very end of the gospel of Luke. It says here, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted his hands up and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So that was the very last thing that the gospel of Luke records. Here in the book of Acts, or Acts of the Apostles, he actually goes back over that just in a little bit. We'll probably get to that next week. But now, for the major thrust, the major point of what I felt God wanted me to share with you guys today, Theophilus. Theophilus must have been a very sincere man when it came to knowing who Jesus Christ was. And he must have been very sincere in the things that pertained to knowing about the kingdom of heaven. Because Luke writes two different narratives. These two different narratives are books about the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And the details surrounding those events, along with the Acts of the Apostles, which is the first 30 years of the Christian church. Now, I know I've mentioned all that. But Luke didn't just write these books for his health or because he just had nothing to do. He wrote these books, what God showed me here, is because Theophilus most likely either A, commissioned him to do it. Hey, Luke, uh, you know, I, I just want to know about the things of Jesus. You know, hey, can I, can I pay you to learn? Or he just heavily questioned Luke about who Jesus Christ was because he knew that Luke was one of those people that were around with Jesus when Jesus first started his ministry. And whether Theophilus paid Luke to write these books or he was just so interested that he kept questioning Luke intensely and pestering about Jesus Christ and God's church uh, that he was a man that wasn't messing around. He was a man that wanted answers and was strongly curious about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. See, Theophilus was the title of our message today. Theophilus was a seeker. And I will say this about him. 
Thank God for Theophilus. Why? Why, you say? Because of him, we know a whole lot about the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know the church's Christian history the first 30 years with Luke's gospel, think of this, being the one that confirmed the other gospels. His gospel, he was not a disciple. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. I see this. God saw the interest Theophilus had in knowing his son, Jesus Christ, along with the details of his kingdom. And God allowed Luke to be able to write the most detailed gospel of Jesus Christ and an incredibly detailed account of the first 30 years of church history. You see, Luke was a physician. I know I already covered that. But what are physicians good at? Physicians are good at the detail. If a physician is not good at the detail, he's not going to figure out what's wrong with you. But a physician will study and they'll test and they'll test and they'll test and they'll test and they'll figure out, they have, a good physician will now, they'll test out everything on you. to make, What's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with, Doc, I got this problem with my stomach. Well, Luke was a physician. Well, he was a, a physician and he wrote a detailed gospel and he kind of put that into the gospel, his gospel. And his, the book Acts are very detailed, detailing out the major things about what happened with God's kingdom. You see, God truly knows if a person takes an interest in his son and if they're really seeking him. And if anyone is, God will reveal Jesus Christ to them in a mighty, mighty way. And he will even go out of the way and make special and supernatural things happen to do it. Just look at the example he gave us with Luke and writing the book of Acts, and writing the gospel of Luke. Think about this. On the surface, you may just look at these two books of the Bible that Luke wrote and just say, oh, you know, man, hey, praise God. Those are awesome books, man. I'm learning about Jesus. That's great. I'm glad God put them in there. But when you go a little deeper, these books are great. And you may say, oh, man, praise God for the disciple or, or the apostle Luke, for he did a, a great job doing these, you know, writing these books for God. And yes, these books are great, and thanks be to God that we have them. But you see, Luke, I mentioned it a little earlier, but not in depth, Luke was not one of the 12 official apostles chosen by Christ to do his work. They are Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simeon, uh, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And we have in the Bible all kinds of things written about certain ones of those individuals, some more than others, but nevertheless, we hear about them, you know, throughout the Gospels, right? But what about Luke? Who was Luke? Luke was just a regular guy that saw the things that Jesus Christ did when he first started his ministry. And he decided to hang around with Jesus. And then, even in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he decided to become a follower. And remember also what I, uh, what I read to you in the overview of this book. His name was only mentioned three measly times in the entire New Testament. We don't read him, we don't read him being a figure in the ministry of Christ. Uh, not even one time, by the way. We don't read of him ever doing one miracle. We never read him about him doing one miraculous healing. And there's not even one biblical story 
that records Luke's name with it. And even though he wasn't a chosen apostle or any of those things I mentioned above, what he did do was to recognize a seeker in Theophilus and write him these two books or narratives, for he was with Christ from the beginning, as his gospel says in verse 3 of chapter 1. And he decided to take action to probably win this man's soul and write what he would become to, what would become to know as, just check this out, a man that's n- nothing in the Bible, right? Writes one of only four Gospels that were chosen in the canon of the whole Bible, along with writing the only full record, the only one of the church's first 30 years of history. And this was Luke, the no-name Luke. And what did that mean that he had to do? Then this just this stuff gets me so excited. God showed me this. I, I just I was like, wow, this is awesome, Lord. Which means that for Luke writing these two books of the Bible, for Theophilus directly, because that's what he said that he wrote. He wrote them for Theophilus, but we know that he wrote them for God indirectly, whether he knew he was doing it or not. Luke the physician, the doctor, okay, had to become a dedicated and faithful historian. Huh? going everywhere he could with Jesus Christ for the three and a half years during his ministry, and everywhere with the disciples, including Paul, to end out the book of Acts, for 30 years recording and writing out everything he could of what he saw. For an amazing total, check this out, of 33 and a half years, and they were long, and they were hard, and they were what we call today as ministerial years. He was in the ministry with these other guys recording as Jesus went along, as the disciples went along, as Paul went along the whole entire time. Now, if you've ever been in ministry, it's tough for just a few weeks or it's tough for a few years. I was in a ministry at this church one time and I was newer to the ministry because as you're going to hear about at the end, I used to be an atheist. And so I didn't grow up in the Christian church. And when God saved me, that changed my life and everything. And I'm going to, I'm going to get that at the end. I want to spoil the end for you. But I started in this one church a long time ago and God, you know, Hey, gave me a ministry and not gave me, but put me as the leader of a ministry and everything. And we were doing this one ministry this one time and I had announced it to the whole church and said, Hey guys, this is what we're going to do. You know, anybody wants to join, come on up. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to be. This is the time we're going to be. We're going to have a meeting about it. Come on, let's, you know, let's check out this meeting. Well, we had a meeting for this ministry, and I must have had 20 people. 20 people came, and they were like, man, we want to be a part. Ed, we want to be a part. Hey, let us join you. Hey, praise God. We want to reach out for Jesus because it was an outreach ministry. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't within the first month that that 20 people had dwindled down to like five. And it wasn't even six months when that ministry had dwindled down to me and my wife and like three others. And that's how ministry goes, because ministry, serving Jesus, is hard. Okay, And here, we read here, uh, Luke didn't just do it for a few days or a few weeks or a few years. This nobody or biblical no-name Luke did it for 33 and a half years, and they were hard years, filled with persecution. And during Luke's recording, he saw many disciples die. While what? God kept him alive 
to keep writing this recording of Jesus Christ and the first 30 years of the Christian church. Now that's supernatural dedication to the job of winning the seeker of Theophilus' heart, if I would say so myself. And I'm sure if Theophilus did hire him for the job of writing these two books, the pay didn't nearly cover the difficulty that, went, that Luke went through for all those years to write them. And Theophilus surely didn't pay him enough if he did commission him to write these books. But that's okay. As an aside, I'm sure once he stepped into eternity, God paid him richly and richly, more richly than, than, than many, 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 many people that have gone to heaven. Now, I know lots of dedicated people to their jobs, but Luke takes the cake in the job category of helping the seeker Theophilus know of Christ and of God's church. And think of this. God pressed this task on Luke's heart of writing these two vitally important books of the Bible because, here's the big because, Luke, again, didn't just write them because he had nothing to do. Luke didn't just write them, oh, you know, I just, I just want to kind of follow the story and see how it ends up. No. God pressed this task of writing these two books on Luke's heart because Theophilus was seeking to know his son and the things of his kingdom. And God knew what plans he had in store for Luke's writings. God knew that he was going to put him in the canon of the text, which means that not only did God press this task or job on Luke's heart for the secret Theophilus of writing these two books, but God put this on Luke's heart for the task of writing to every seeker of Jesus Christ that would ever live on planet earth since Christ came. Because this little book of Luke, and this, or gospel of Luke, and this little book of the, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, they didn't just get lost in the wind. This Bible, if you're holding a Bible in your hand, this Bible has been around almost since the beginning. It started out as just letters from the people that knew Jesus Christ. And then the church later on, not too long later, they wanted them all together because they wanted to know, hey, what, what did God say to all these great apostles, these great people? And then they canonized the Bible and made it this 66 books of which only they really put together the New Testament. The Old Testament had already been put together. And Luke, a no-name, not one of the big 12, name only mentioned three times in, 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 the, in the New Testament, because he would, you know, he followed Paul. And he'd say, hey, say, say hi to those guys for me. Oh, hey, Luke and Demas greet you. And this nobody, Luke, got two of his books in the Bible. And with all that info I just gave you, I can say with surety and confidence today this one thing. With all that God went through to get this no-name Luke His two books in the entire, there's only like 26 books in the whole New Testament. Most of them are by well-known people, right? Most of them, John, right? Matthew, he was one of the disciples. Peter, James, right? Most no name, or most are, are totally named, not Luke. But with all that God did to get these books of this no name Luke into the gospel, I can say this with surety. All mind you, for the seeker Theophilus. If you today, or anybody, whenever, are truly interested in knowing who Jesus Christ is, and if he's real, and you earnestly seek God to know him with all your heart, and you take action like Theophilus did, I will guarantee you, 
guarantee, because it's a guarantee in the Bible, God Almighty will reveal himself and Jesus Christ to you. And please don't misunderstand me here when I said that you should take action like Theophilus did, where you think about maybe he commissioned, right? Maybe, maybe he did commission Luke to write this book, and maybe he did pay Luke to write this book. But don't misunderstand me, right? I'm not telling you that you have to give your money or to me or God or the church or anybody in order to learn of Jesus Christ or to come to know Jesus Christ or who Jesus Christ is. I'm not telling you that at all. What I'm saying to you is this. If you see God concerning Jesus Christ and his reality and to know who he is, if you're not a Christian, or even to know him more or, or to get some answer to a problem you're going on or you have going on in your life, if you are a Christian, with your action of prayer. Because you see, prayer is an action. Like, for instance, if you're seeking and you really want to know who is this Jesus? Who is this God? You know, who is God? If you start, just get alone. God Almighty, who, who are you? Lord God, I, I want to know, who are you? Can, you? can you show yourself to me? Lord, is Jesus Christ real? God, I, I want to know who is, who is Jesus Christ. Lord, would you please show me? Would you please reveal yourself or reveal this man named Jesus Christ to me? I mean, for that example, if, if you just pray and you ask God and you keep asking God, then God will be faithful and he'll help to lead you in that way so that he can reveal himself and he can reveal Jesus Christ to you. And then let's say you take it to another level and you take the action of doing research for your own self. And, you know, let's say you're not sure. You know, maybe you believe in a God, but, you know, well, well, which God? Are they all right? I mean, is there one that's right and the other's wrong? If you put in the research and you, while you're praying, you know, oh, God, could you reveal yourself to me? If you say, let's say, go research, what religions can I prove? What religions can I have, you know, accuracy in? And I, let's say I can test any religions like art with archaeology or, or prophecy or, or history. Like, which one, do, do any religions actually have any proof behind them? Or are they all just something that somebody made up in their garage and you know, they just wrote a book to, you know, to get power over their fellow people? You know, let's say you think that, which is something that people think nowadays. Let's say you start researching and you're, you're, you're praying and you don't even know who you're praying to. You're just like, God, can you reveal yourself to me, Lord, please? I, God, I, are you real? Jesus Christ, is he real? And then you start looking and, and then you find, here, look at this, that the Bible is the only book, a, a, a religious book, that you can actually test with archaeology, with history, with prophecy, and you take action yourself and you pick up a Bible and you start, you know, like, hey, God will, you know, if man, maybe this is you and you start you know, showing God that you're important and what he said in his word. You know, God, would you would you reveal yourself to me? And let me let me see what you had to say. And, you, you know, you don't just read it over like a novel and you read it over intently, like to really understand the content, really understand what the people that wrote it, how their convictions, what they were convinced about. Because the writers of the Bible were convinced that they met God and that they met Jesus Christ and that God and Jesus Christ were real and that Jesus Christ really did live and then die and then rise again and to, to pay for the sins of the world. And they were pretty convinced about that. And then if you start showing God that, you know, hey, uh, 
What do you have to say? If this is you, you know, show me. If this, if it's not God, then I don't want. I don't don't let me do this. But if you start these things, and you truly desire to know God and who He is, and if Jesus Christ is real, and you take the steps I just gave you now, as the seeker Theophilus did with Luke, then I can guarantee you, God will reveal Himself to you, and He'll reveal Jesus Christ to you in a mighty, mighty way. And the reason I can guarantee you this is because I went on this journey a little over 17 years ago. And I was an atheist, as I mentioned earlier. And I didn't want anything to do with God. And I lived for myself, and I did my own thing, and I hurt people, and I hurt myself, and my life was miserable, and that's how I liked it, and I lived for money, and I had all the nice things of the world. But all the nice things that I got, well, they never made me happy. They never satisfied me. They never filled me. They always wanted more, always wanted more, always wanted more, always wanted more. And it led me to do some terrible things. But one day came when I started thinking about death. Well, what happens to me when I die? Do I just die and then they just open up a box and throw me in a box and they bury me in the ground and that's it? And I couldn't shake it. So I started to one day, I started to do what I told you today. I started to pray, God, who who are you? God, are you real? Is Jesus Christ real? And I earnestly started praying and asking God these things. God, if you're real, because I didn't know if there was a God, of course, right? God, if you're real, would you would you show yourself to me? Would you would you show me somehow? Is is Jesus Christ the right one? And and in the midst of all this, I, I was. I actually had bought a Bible. Well, I was going to buy a Bible, and then God had provided one for me that I didn't have to buy one. And I started just reading like I told you about. And I started, you know, I don't know if this God is real. I don't even know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check him out, though, if this God is real anyway. And so I did. And, and as I did, and as I did this for, for months, because, you see, God may not, if you start to seek him right now, God may not say right now, today, boom, okay, that's it, I'm here I am. He may wait to see if you're going to seek him, if you're not, if you don't know who he is and you're not his child and you're not, you know, born again as I became to be born again, he may not show you right away because he may want to see, is this, is this person sincere? Do they really want to know me or is it just kind of like, Another piece of knowledge that they just want to add in their belt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God revealed himself to me. Yeah, it's like, hey, I just learned how to play this new video game. Or are you really sincere? Like, do you really want to know who God is and who Jesus Christ is really sincerely? But if you do, as I did, then God came to me one day. He filled the whole room with power and he spoke to me and I spoke to him and I invited him into my life and, and he made me a new person and, and uh, I, I've never been the same. He changed my whole life. Now I know him personally. I've become to be born again, which means that I'm not the same person that I was before. I've been born again to be a new type of person, a person that loves people, a person that has self Control, although I'm not perfect and everybody does sin sometimes. I, I have self-control. I love people. I have a communication with God. He communicates with me. I love His Word. I love talking about spiritual things. I love talking to people about God. And I, I'm just a different, non-hateful, loving, kind person now because I met God on my living room floor just a little over 17 years ago. 
And as I said, since God revealed himself to me, I invite him in my life by crying out just the simple, Jesus, I need you. Jesus Christ, I need you. And I've been changed and been born again. And ever since I've come to know God and Christ personally, I still have had struggles. I've still had doubts. I've still had lots of hardships in my life off and on. And I've had hardships in ministry and with people betraying me and lots of bad things happening to me even since I've been a Christian. So if you, you hear all these preachers out there, just come to Jesus, your life's going to get amazing and it's going to be perfect. They're just lying to you. They don't know what they're talking about because everybody has problems and everybody goes through tribulations. And as God spoke to me recently, even if you are a Christian, well, Jesus told the Christians of his day, the disciples, Hey, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But in those desperate times, as I've had many of them, even as a Christian, I have sought Jesus by my actions of prayer and my going to his word for answers. And God has come to me and revealed the truth of himself again to me and spoken to me and given me the answers to my problems that I was having in in mighty and powerful and awesome ways. Ladies and gentlemen, seeking Jesus Christ works. He says in Luke, the gospel of Luke eleven nine, he says this, Seek and you shall find. He didn't say seek and maybe you'll find. He said seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall receive and knock and the door will be answered to you. This worked for the seeker Theophilus in Luke's day, as just him seeking God causes God to move on Luke's heart to write two books of the entire New Testament of the Bible. That's awesome. It worked almost 18 years ago for me to this very day, and it still works for any today that will seek for Hebrews 13:8 God promises in his word that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. All you have to do for yourself for you to know who God is is humble yourself and seek him. I'm not sure where each one of you are today with God and Christ, but I know that if you are not saved, then maybe you are an atheist like I used to be. God longs for you to start seeking Jesus Christ by your actions of prayer and you start to re, you starting to research him and that he may reveal himself to you. He longs to reveal himself to you so that you could come to know him personally as I did. And even if you're saved and you're a true Christian and you're born again and you've got a new life as I have, he longs for you to have a deeper relationship with him, to know him more and to come to Him first, and and to be heavily seeking Him for the answers and and help to every problem in your life, to every doubt that you may have, to every struggle that you may be having. He longs for you to come to Him and seek Him in every situation and season and difficulty in your life, so that He may help you, so that He may give you the help that you need, so that he may spiritually and mentally and physically help you the way that you need. Not that he's going to make it perfect, mind you, for you, but be of good cheer, he says, for I have overcome the world. So will you be like the seeker Theophilus and seek Jesus Christ today, whether you're lost or saved? If you will, God will bless you in mighty ways. 
He may not do it, as I said, right away or immediately because he wants to see how sincere you are. But it's a surety and a for sure and a hundred percent. If you seek the Lord, if you seek God, if you seek Jesus Christ, whether lost or saved, because you really want to know him or you really want to know him more, he will make it happen. He will make it happen in an awesome and powerful way. And I and he guarantee it. The only question is, he's reaching out. Will you seek so you come to that place where he will reveal himself to you? Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word today. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your love, Lord God, that this, these, both of these books, Lord, written by the no-name Luke, who's only mentioned three times in the entire New Testament, Lord, wasn't a great apostle, wasn't a great disciple, yet they were written for a seeker. And, of course, Lord, as I mentioned earlier, they were written for every seeker that's ever lived since Jesus Christ has come. Thank you, Lord God, for your whole word is written to those that will respond. Any, and you want all, Lord, any that will respond to your making yourself known. For the basic knowledge of you is everywhere, Lord God. Creation is amazing. The human body is amazing. The way, the way just animals and the way the environment works is all amazing, Lord God. And there's no, nothing else out there. And all that we've seen for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of light years, Lord God, that, that even comes close to the creation that you've made here. And it's all a perfect balance. Even, Lord, you remind me just now, even without the simple thing is the bee. Without the bee to pollinate the plants. Life would cease to exist on this planet. And you could say that about any number of one simple thing that we don't even think about, but that you keep our sustaining atmosphere going for us, Lord. You have made yourself known through everything we see that's around us, Lord God, in your creation. Lord, if anyone, Lord, I pray, would desire to know you right now, Anyone desire would desire to know who you are. And if Jesus Christ is real, Lord, I pray that they would start seeking, Lord God, right now, as the seeker Theophilus did. And I pray, dear God, as you promised, Lord, in your word, seek and you shall find, Lord God, that they would seek and they wouldn't stop. They would continue to seek, Lord, every day and diligently, Lord God. And keeping you as a man of your word, because that's what you are, Lord, a man of your word. And I pray, dear God, they would start and just be ready for where the journey is going to take them. I pray, please, dear God, continue to draw them to yourself. And I thank you, and I love you, and I praise you, and I ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.